0: Hey everybody, I'm Channel with Sports and this is the Sport Report. This week we got college football news. Well, a little bit of it. A little bit from the NBA and the NHL and some college basketball. We'll also cover the World Cup with Carson Cooper and the NFL with Colby Volrath. So for a quick recap of the other news and notes in other sports, we'll start in college football where quarterback Will Levis will be leaving the University of Kentucky and entering the transfer portal. Jeff Braum is... Going from Purdue to his old alma mater, Louisville, where he played quarterback and was a star quarterback for the Cardinals uh, a couple decades ago. They tried to get him a few years ago, but Satterfield, Scott Satterfield, ended up going to Louisville. Well, now with Satterfield at Cincinnati, Jeff Brom is finally going home to Louisville. L1-C4. And finally, overtime in Philadelphia. Army-Navy played their first overtime game in the 123-year series between these two teams. Army has now won five of the last seven after winning 20-17 in double overtime against their arch rivals. Navy head coach Ken Niamatololo is now 10-5 against the Cadets in his career, but that will not matter anymore as he was fired in the immediate aftermath of Navy's loss to Army. Next season he well, he might be hunting for a new job, but nonetheless, he's one of the best coaches in college football. Hopefully he finds another job soon. If he doesn't, he ends his career after 16 seasons with a winning record as the head coach of the midshipmen. And granted, they had some challenges compared to the other service academies, who could have six-year or sixth-year transfer students, you know, transfer into the academy and play. Whereas Navy requires all of their midshipmen to graduate in four years. Nia Matalolo had a very high graduation rate for the Navy midshipmen, and he. You know, coached a really good football team, had a really good system. They were run heavy throughout the, mo- for the throughout most of his tenure at Navy. In fact, Navy's first completion of the day came in overtime for a touchdown before they fumbled the ball on the ground in double overtime. Uh, back to the game, Navy passed it for four times, Army passed it 12 times, both teams combined 3 of 16. And they combined the rush the ball 105 times, 259 yards on the ground for Navy, 125 for Army. Navy dominated almost every stat category, but had two possessions that didn't end in a three and out after halftime, one late in the fourth quarter, and the other when they fumbled the ball on a seven-play drive in double overtime. Army capitalized by kicking a game-winning field goal. So... We'll see what happens next season as the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy will leave the Air Force Academy, Air Force Academy won it this past season, and be up for grabs in 2023. Next year's Army-Navy game hits the road. It'll be in Foxborough before traveling up and down the eastern seaboard and returning to Philadelphia in 2027. In college basketball, the only major news other than Chris Beard, which we'll get to in a second, number eight, Alabama comes from 15 points down to stun the number one ranked Houston Cougars. Apparently we have a sport report curse of, you know, saying a team's doing really well and then they decide not to do super duper well. It happened with James Madison in their football program earlier in the year with the Philadelphia Phillies before they got no hit, the Miami Dolphins on a three-game losing skid once we started talking about them and now the Houston Cougars. As I mentioned, Chris Beard, the head coach at Texas, was arrested for a third-degree felony assault on a family member with strangulation Could be a two- to ten-year sentence uh, if he is convicted of the crime. He has been suspended without pay by the University of Texas Athletic Department and the university itself, of course. It is unknown at this time if he will return to coach the Longhorns. In the meantime, they will continue to sort his legal case. There's a lot of things being said about him. Um, Chris Beard has a reputation as one of the kindest human beings, one of the kindest coaches in college basketball, if not sports. We condemn the actions of Coach Beard, and we hope that this is resolved in due time for all the parties involved. In the NHL, the Boston Bruins get revenge on the Vegas Golden Knights as they come from behind to defeat the Golden Knights three goals to one, nearly a week after the Golden Knights ended the Bruins' home winning streak to start their season. And in the NBA, last week's trivia question, who is the last player to put up 50 or more points, 15 or more rebounds, and three or more blocks while being or connecting on at least 70% of his shot attempts Uh, Anthony Davis did it last week, Patrick Ewing did it, 50 points, 71% shooting, 15 rebounds and 3 blocks for the New York Knicks, almost 32 years to the day on December 1st of 1990. We will not have a trivia question for this week as we're going on a long hiatus, this is our last episode before the National Championship during the second week of January, we'd like to give the rest of our correspondents a a few weeks off to spend time with their families. Finally, in Major League Baseball, Aaron Judge will remain a New York Yankee. Nine years, $360 million contract, and he will be the next captain of the Yankees. Well played by a master negotiator. He turned out a $210 million offer at the start of the season. Goes out, hits 62 homers, the AL record, and some would say the MLB record, if, if without the steroids, of course. Um, he wins the MVP. He fakes signing with the Giants makes Steinbrenner and Cashman come back to the table with a higher offer and gets $150 million more than he would have at the start of the season. Always remember, everybody, bet on yourself. He wanted to remain a Yankee the entire time, so congrats to Aaron Judge. Not so much of a congratulations to the rest of the American League as they now have to deal with Aaron Judge and his 200 batting average and 62 homers from last season. That covers our news and notes from the other leagues. Let's go to... The World Cup, where we'll be joined by our Sport Report World Cup correspondent, Carson Cooper.
1: the USA's life in this World Cup. You could not write a script like this. Name on the trophy. And Solskjaer has won it.
2: England
0: have done it in the last minute of extra time. Carson Cooper joins us on the Sport Report, and we're going to start with a tribute to Grant Wall. That was a stunner. Um.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was sad to see because I mean, he was literally tweeting about the Netherlands and Argentina game and stuff, and then you know the next morning we wake up, and then he's you know breaking the news breaks that he's dead, and so I think that was the saddest part to see that you know someone who clearly had no idea they're about to die, they're seeing they're just tweeting and stuff like that, like normal doing their job, and out of nowhere, gone.
0: Well, there was an there was a discussion of he had some health issues, um. He he was sick with bronchitis for the last two weeks, and he was in the middle of covering the game, Argentina versus Netherlands, which we'll get to in a minute. And at the start of Extra Time, he just fell back in his chair. He he was talking about on his podcast how sick he was, and he was pushing through. And, you know, he's a great dude from what I understand. I never got to meet him, but everybody speaks very highly of him. I mean, there were tributes pouring in the entire day, and even the next day after he passed, it was just sad news. Um, Rob Stone, who anchors the Fox coverage for the World Cup, almost in t- he was in tears. I mean, you could hear it in his voice. He was a colleague. Grant Wall is a colleague at, fo- at Fox Sports for seven years with them, and covered the 18 World Cup with with Fox. And it was just inf- no, just the 18 World Cup with Fox. But it was sad to hear. I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, blessings to his families. May he rest in peace. He really promoted the game of soccer in the United States and did a hell of a job with it. Um, so our condolences out to the Grant Wall family, um, but yeah. So let's get to our four quarterfinal matches. We'll start with the, I guess you could say the stunner, but we have a couple of stunners here. Croatia, Brazil, one-one, both goals scored in extra time. And talk us through the match. I mean, it really wasn't that in, hmm. wasn't really that good of a matchup until the, the extra time period began.
2: Right. I mean, there's even talk. Because, you know, Neymar scores in the, you know, 105th minute, basically. And there was talk about yanking him off the field or subbing him even before that because he really just was a non-factor out there. But then he gets this wonderful goal. And, you know, as a viewer, you're sitting there watching like, okay, surely they're going to take it into the semifinal. And, you know, then the second half of extra time comes on and, you know, Croatia are knocking on the door, but really, you know, nothing's amounting. And then out of nowhere, you know, Pekovic gets a, a goal in the min, 117th minute. And I, I mean, it just looks like lazy defending on Brazil's part. I mean, for whatever reason, they were not set up in a defensive shape at all. I mean, they were still trying to go forward and Neymar all the way down the pitch as well, trying to keep the ball, um, not turn it over. And really, they had committed too many bodies forward that they got counterattacked. Badly, and Casemiro was nowhere to really be found I thought surely like they would have subbed off of Neymar after he did his job you know done dusted you know wipe off the hands they should have subbed him off after he scored and put on another defender and you know I I see why they didn't though just in case like imagine if they did get scored on it with that extra defender then you've taken arguably your best player off the pitch and you probably wouldn't even have him the rest of that or sorry you would not have had him for the rest of that extra time and then potentially penalties
0: yeah and brazil they had a chance they went to penalties croatia beat them on penalties they saved two penalties another hit the post neymar Mm -hmm. didn't even take the penalty he was supposed to be the fifth taker they didn't even get to round five
2: right and i mean that that their keeper libico is fantastic i mean oh
0: he absolutely is croatia's keeper is probably one of the best in this tournament at saving penalties mm -hmm.
2: and And i mean, mean they don't
0: realize that when you step up to take a penalty kick you need to hit it with some conviction
2: and you know the first the first kick right off the bat really was in a low and easily blockable spot for the for Croatia's keeper to block it, um, and so you know by the end of the time, like Martinez as well should not even be to blame because he was the last kick taker and he had a nice strike. Of course, it just clips the post and then bounces out and then you know game over.
0: Uh, Croatia advances. Brazil becomes the first team get that to be eliminated from a knockout match in which they scored the opening goal during extra time. Huh. Now, here's another thing. Brazil have been eliminated in the by, in their last six tournaments by European teams. Their last win versus a European team was seven tournaments ago in the 2002 World Cup final when they beat Germany. And it's also the last time a team outside of Europe has won the World Cup. They've won it seven of the last eight, believe it or not.
2: Well, this is why people jokingly talk about the World Cup as just being an extension of the Euros. Right. You know? Because... <laughs> It's always comes down to basically the European talent. And now obviously we've got Morocco and they're, you know, from an African nation.
0: Croatia have been to extra time in every knockout stage match since the last World Cup. The only one they lost was to France. It, uh, correction, they have made it to every they've made it to extra time in every match but the World Cup final last year when they lost to France in regulation. So is it possible we see them play France? France played England. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but first, Croatia have to get past a team from South America. It's not Brazil this time. It will be Argentina. The Argentines and the Netherlands drew 2-2 after extra time, but Argentina wins 4-3 on penalties, and Lionel Messi will get another shot at a World Cup semifinal. The Dutch trailed two goals to nil in the 83rd minute, and they scored two goals, one in the 83rd minute and the other in the 90-plus-11th minute. Crazy stuff. I mean... Let me tell you, it was off a free kick. It was straight off a Louis van Hall free kick straight out of his time at Manchester United. I know there are United fans out there just cringing and wanting to turn this off at this point. But at the end of the day, the Dutch couldn't get anything going in extra time. They were actually chirping at the Argentine players. And after the penalty shootout, when Argentina finally converted their fourth and final spot kick, there is a picture of the Dutch head and hands on the ground, on their knees, just devastated and there's on the other side of the picture right next to them at the top of the picture is the argentine players looking at the dutch players basically telling them you suck because you talk so much crap and you didn't convert you did not you were not able to come back and win this and so the dutch are out the argentines advance any thoughts on the argentina netherlands game it had to have been probably one of the most entertaining of the quarterfinals if not the whole tournament you
2: know it was a Palpable. I mean, just watching it through the TV, you could sense the tension. I mean, one of the Argentinian players even, you know, fired the ball into the, you know, the Dutch bench basically, and you know the bench is cleared, and you know should have been a red card potentially, and things like that. But the drama was was there, and you know you could tell each nation wanted that win, each team, and so I, you know, you you feel bad because in the quarterfinals again, a bunch of good teams got sent home, but. The Netherlands are a very, very talented side. And we we all know they're better than, they're more than capable of advancing past
0: the quarterfinal. Right. And so it'll be Argentina and Croatia in the first semifinal, 2 p.m. Eastern today on Fox, if you're listening to this, on Tuesday. The other quarterfinals, there were two additional quarterfinals. We'll start with Morocco and Portugal. This had to have been the stunner of the tournament outside of Saudi Arabia, defeating Argentina. Morocco won, Portugal nil in regulation, And Cristiano Ronaldo got sent to the bench again. He came on just before the hour mark, and he did not make an impact. We'll touch on Ronaldo's future with Portugal in just a minute. But for the game itself, it is fantastic to see an African side in the semifinals. First time, as you mentioned, the first time an African team has made the World Cup semifinals in the tournament's history. And now they get to play, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But think about that for just a second. Morocco, a team that is, granted, 22nd ranked in the world, 21st, 22nd ranked in the world, and they just knocked off a Portuguese team that smoked Switzerland 6-1 to one in the round of 16.
2: If anyone had a dark horse pick, you know, some people would still be probably going with Croatia. I bet there was seldom few who picked Monaco to even make it this far. So hats off to them. But, I mean, they have a really underrated and talented roster. I mean, you know, Hakim Ziyech and Hakimi, you know, out, the, out there on that back line. I mean, they've got world-class talent playing all over the world, especially in, you know, Ligue 1. You know, again, I, Hakimi used to play for PSG. He still might, um, but I follow the Premier League or more, obviously. But, you know, then Ziyech for, for Chelsea and all that. Um, I mean, just incredible. You know, they have a lot of talent on that roster. But, again, you'd expect Portugal to not lose one-nothing. You know, get – again, like after putting up six on the, the Swiss and then to come in and get nothing, I think a lot of the blame is, should be put on the coach. And to be fair, Ronaldo should have started
0: no, Please. I actually oh,
2: I, I, I think he shouldn't have.
0: I, well, I disagree with that. Not to be an opinionated type of podcast, but Ronaldo shouldn't have started due to the fact that he's an egotistical maniac who wants all the pride and he wants all the attention. And he's not you're not gonna get that on the world stage if you have an entire team around you. It takes a team to win the World Cup, not a person. And Ronaldo tends to forget that. It's why he just got kicked out of Manchester United, amongst other reasons. But Ronaldo should have been sent to the bench. as a, It's a punishment. If you're not going to abide by the team rules and you're not going to be a team player, you should absolutely be sent to the bench. You know what? Honestly, if I was the manager and it wasn't, like, granted, it's Ronaldo. Should he have started, the argument will always be there. But regardless, he came on for 40 minutes. He never made an impact. He had one shot on target, I believe, and that was it. He didn't really get anything going. He was always taking the ball and he was barely passing the ball. And... It just it was not a team player. He did not contribute to the the result in a positive way, and I think the manager made the right decision by benching his star player to show that look. This is more than just you. Ronaldo hasn't learned that yet, and he's thirty-seven. Come on, now, man, grow up. His ego has been fed for far too long for obvious reasons because
2: he's an amazing player, but he's not. He's in a new role this season. And it started with Manu. He's never come off the bench, really. Like, you know, he's always been a superstar, starting 11. And if he comes off the bench, it's probably just because he's living from an injury. And, you know, they're monitoring his minutes. So this is a completely new role for him. So psychologically, as an athlete, when you are used to being the big man on campus, you know, the person on top, and all of a sudden you're relegated into this, you know, lesser man's role, it messes with you. And especially for someone like him. And so, again, I... He need, but, yeah, exactly. He should have grown up. He should have adapted. he's thirty seven years old. and it, you know, this happens to many athletes. and he's lucky to even still be performing at this high of a level for someone his age. Mentally, he's not the Ronaldo that we see anymore. But he's clearly still physically is gifted.
0: no, he absolutely is. And I think that's why United got rid of him. and again, not to be opinionated. It's just the what happened happened, and the manager has his reasons. And if you look at it, from the perspective of a fan, you want to see Ronaldo because he's been in your life. He's been on the pitch for 20 years. He's been making moves that very few others in the world have ever been able to do, Messi aside. And we could sit here and talk for hours about Messi and Ronaldo, who's the best, but we're not an opinionated show, so we're not even going to get there. But at the end of the day, Morocco won, Portugal nil. The Moroccans are on to the semi-cup finals, and they will be joined by France and Okay, well, let's preface this for our English viewers. If you're a three Lions fan, I highly suggest you skip forward a few minutes. Um, if you're not, or you just really want to suffer through this, um, Harry Kane missed a blatantly wide open penalty. Um, he converted. The, okay, you know what? We're going to get there in a second. Let's start with France 2, England 1. I tend to get ahead of myself. Um, the number one team in the World Cup, which is France, number one team in the world, has not been to the World Cup semifinals since Brazil in 1998. Guess what? France won it that year. Um, so France had a lot on their shoulders. Meanwhile, for England, they've had some penalty shootouts over the years. They've had penalty spot kicks. They've had spot kicks that have just—they're cursed. That's the easiest way to say it. They are cursed at major tournaments. Euro 2020, Harris Southgate, Stuart Pearce, Chris Waddle, so many others. And add Harry came to the list because during regulation, he had a chance to take the first penalty— They were given, and he converted it. He tied Wayne Rooney's national team record of 53 goals, and he scored versus his club keeper, his club teammate at Tottenham, Hugo Lloris, who they've played over 300 matches together. Um, Kane is now 17 of 21 at the national level from the penalty spot, and he could have broken Rooney's record, but he skied the second penalty in regulation that he was given about 10 minutes from time, skied it over the bar, and he was going to break Rooney's record, but he didn't even get close to the goal he just leaned a little too far back and after the cup or after the uh shootout he said look i'm gonna have to take it on the chin i'm sorry i missed i'm gonna have to live with it it's okay you want to talk about the
2: french meaty forehead of olivier giroux olivier giroux is a mendime. oh man i mean good for that guy honestly first off again he wouldn't even be in the lineup if it wasn't for and I mean, obviously, it's speculation. I'm not a part of the French national team, but I mean, it's assumed that Kareem Benzema was going to be the starting number nine for Sydney. And maybe Giroud would have been subbed on late games, right? But, Correct. you know, you hate to see a, a player, but we see it all, all across all sports. You know, if someone gets hurt and it's time for the next man up, and Giroud has, you know, take a bow, clap it up for him. He has, after getting no goals in the last World Cup, you know, he's already got four. And, you know, he shatters, well, not didn't shatter it, but he broke Thierry Henry's all-time goal-scoring record for France, and now he's the all-time leading goal-scorer for France. So good for him. I mean, I'm happy for him. Um, You know, you really had not heard much about Olivier Giroud um, since he's kind of fell off of –
0: he's fallen from grace, so to speak, in terms of just he's an aging player. Well, yeah, and at the end of the day, Giroud is still a world-class striker. Granted, Mm. he's, you know, 36 right now. This is probably his last major tournament for the French side. But Le Bleu are really happy to have him. And at the end of the day, France win two one. It could have been two two. It could have gone an extra time. Harry Kane missed a penalty. Giroud scored right before it. Um, very back and forth game. The Three Lions are probably one of the youngest squads in the World Cup. And this will be the last question I ask you before we let you go. Um, do you think that Three Lions squad, with how young they are, and the Dutch as well, do you think we're seeing a changing of the guard? You know, I wish our
2: heroes never got old, so to speak. You know, I mean, yeah, you're seeing. For a lot, it seems to be the case for a lot of these squads. I mean, you know, you look at Belgium. You know, that was their last dance, probably. You know, all, all their top quality players are not going to be around for this next World Cup. I'm sure, maybe De Bruyne, but he'll be like 35 by that point. Um, And then you're looking at Argentina. This is most likely Messi's. Yeah, it's going to be this his is, last this World is Cup. Messi's
0: last term, and he's even. Yeah, that's right.
2: He confirmed it. And so then you look at Ronaldo. I mean, you know, if he still maintains, you know, who knows? He's he's a machine. He might be in even better shape by the time he's 41. <laughs> but, right, but will his ego be, prohibit yeah.
0: him from being selected?
2: And then England, you know, I mean, we'll see. We'll see the defense look completely different. I think the midfield and just a couple of the wingers are going to be pretty new. I mean, you know, you got Saka, who's really young, so he'll still be there. Raheem Sterling might be on his way out. Um, Harry Kane, I think, will still be a part of the squad, but he, you know, he could be in one of those situations where he's a sub coming off of the bench, you know. So yes, you're seeing a change of the guard, but it's it's in it's in you know, it's position based. It's not like entire teams minus Belgium are being completely redone.
0: And France advances two one. They'll play Morocco on Wednesday at two PM Eastern on Fox. The winners of those two semifinals will go to the World Cup final on Sunday at eleven AM Eastern also on Fox. Uh, we will potentially have a one-off kind of segment because we don't have any more podcast episodes the rest of 2022. But we'll see what we can do. We might be able to put some things together uh, for a World Cup final kind of recap. Our thanks to Cooper Troopa, Carson Cooper, for joining us. Uh, Always a pleasure. We'll have you on very soon as the World Cup comes to a conclusion and as our domestic seasons pick back up starting on Boxing Day. Appreciate it, Chandler. Thanks for having me. From football to football, Colby Vorath joins us on the Sport Report as our Sport Report NFL correspondent to help us cover an interesting Week 14 in the National Football League.
1: Oh, 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 man, God, pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. How in the world? Oh my goodness! Around the NFL.
0: We'll start with Thursday Night Football, where Baker Mayfield gets picked up off waivers and leads a game-winning drive. Rams 17, Raiders 16. Um, That's just the start of the unexpected chaos that is the NFL.
1: Yeah, that was unreal. First, got to feel fantastic for Baker. Baker getting picked up off waivers after being cut by the Panthers. Going to, even before that, the Browns had given up on him. And started the year as the Panthers' starting quarterback. Lost that job. Comes to L.A. Leads a... I forget points. I believe they were down 16 3. And he leads that comeback to win on Thursday night football. Absolutely amazing to see. Uh, just honestly, like, if you're not, unless you're not a fan of the Rams or you hate Baker Mayfield, it's just such a really, really great thing.
0: Right. And for the defending Super Bowl champs, they fall to, f- or they are 4 and 9 on the season. So. Maybe there's a little bit of hope in their playoff chances. Maybe mathematically, but... I'm trying to be an optimist here. Yeah, I'm a realist. I know. I try to be at some, but I'm trying to be more of a pragmatist. Buffalo Bills 20, New York Jets 12, in an AFC East battle, which the Jets almost won, and Mother Nature almost won as well.
1: Yeah. the uh, You know, I have been saying this, probably not on record, but I've been saying this a lot off record. I the Bills are one hundred percent a beatable team. They are they should not be favorites. And I don't know I don't know if Vegas views them as favorites to reach the Super Bowl right now to the AFC, but I don't think they should be. They have too many close games. They just it, it's a weird thing to say, but it just feels like they lack star power. Mike White looks fantastic. Um, honestly, I hope I hope he gets a full-time chance with the
0: Jets. He's probably going to be the Jets quarterback um, going forward. They've got Detroit this week, and then they've got a couple of other matchups against AFC East rivals um, to finish out the year. So the Jets are still a playoff-caliber team. They just lost Quinton Williams. They're, Mike White is probably one of the toughest quarterbacks in the league right now. From the AFC East to the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals defeat the Cleveland Browns 23-10. to And the Browns get, or the Browns get, they have Deshaun Watson back, but the Bengals get revenge on the Browns as they didn't really score that much in their Monday Night Encounter a few weeks ago this time around. They level the series in the Battle of Ohio, winning by two possessions.
1: Yeah. Um, what was really interesting is that T. Higgins was ruled He wasn't ruled out of this game, but he should have been. He injured his hamstring in warm-ups. And uh, Zach Taylor, when he asked about it, said, I just didn't think it was a big deal. I think um, who knows if we'll get a fine for the NFL for that. I'm not too familiar around the media rules and how that might impact it. Um, But either way, without T. Higgins in the lineup against a – Bad Browns defense.
0: The Bengals look good. And they did. that guy. And to my knowledge of media rules, they don't have to rule him out as long as they think that there's a conceivable chance of him coming back into the game. But the game script didn't really allow for him to come back into the game. So he's questionable to return as he has been two other times this season during games. Just not ruled out. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, What I also don't know what's going on is how the Dallas Cowboys eked out a win in the Texas Bowl, 27-23 winners over the Houston Texans. Um, Here's this for some stats, because the Cowboys, they had an 11-play, 98-yard game-winning drive, their longest since Week 17 of the 2017 season against the Philadelphia Eagles when they went 99 yards to win a game. Dak Prescott led both of those drives, mind you. Dak Prescott had two interceptions and one touchdown in this game and he scored a. they scored a touchdown twice off of Tony Pollard, one on a reception, one on a rush, and then Zeke Elliott had a rushing touchdown late in the game to win it. Um, the Cowboys' offense just added T.Y. Hilton to their wide receiver core, and that's, that's a huge addition for a team that's not going to get Odell Beckham because if Odell Beckham comes to the Cowboys, the Cowboys don't win the Super Bowl this year. The Texans were in the lead for most of the game, so maybe that defense has some questions to answer. It might be an overreaction. They get Jacksonville this week. Dallas, if they win out and Philadelphia loses a game between now and the end of the season, because the Cowboys and Eagles play each other on Christmas Day, with the Vikings' result against the Lions that we'll get to, the Cowboys would be the number one seed in the NFC. That's really interesting. That would be very interesting indeed. Um, Again, we'll get to Philadelphia here. Speaking of the Vikings, Eagles come up right after the Vikings. Detroit Lions 34, Minnesota Vikings 23. There are a lot of double-digit scoring margins in this league this week. And the Lions are now a team that are primed for a playoff spot if they get a couple of things to go their way. And here's a stat. A team that has been 5-7 and seven at this point in the year in the last four years has made the playoffs. So watch out, Washington Command Skins. Watch out, New York Giants. The Detroit Lions are coming hunting for you. But the Lions might be making the playoffs. You never know.
1: Yeah. Looks.
0: How's Jared Goff? They
1: look, they look so good. I mean, they they are on a tear. What is it? They've won six of their – five
0: of their past six? Yep. And their only only loss came to the Bills at home on Thanksgiving on a game-winning field goal.
1: Yeah, it just – man, Dan Campbell. I think everyone who's a football fan has paid attention. Sees – saw Dan Campbell the first year and was like, man, what a great coach for that team. His culture is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Lions got on hard knocks this year. A lot of – got a lot of fans from that. And now – Making this late season playoff push, this is really interesting. Detroit fans have something to be uh, to be excited about. Meanwhile, for the Vikings, um,
0: so they're ten they're ten and three, and they've allowed four hundred plus yards in their last five games, which is a franchise record. That's not yeah. a good franchise record to have. Yeah, you don't want that. No. So from the AFC North in the Motor City, we go to the Meadowlands where the Philadelphia Eagles demolish. I almost. I ran out of adjectives to describe the Eagles team forty eight, twenty two over the New York Football Giants, who are missing a few key starters on defense. Moving on to an AFC North battle, a lot of divisional games this week. Um If I did the count correctly, that's one, two, three, four, five, six. There were seven divisional games out of thirteen this week. Wow. That's divisional right. game. Yeah, that's another divisional game. The AFC North was playing another divisional game. It, Battle of Ohio, then the Battle of the East Coast between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Colby, you would never believe this, but in 16 seasons, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. If the Steelers lose one of their next four games, it will be a first time that he'll have a losing season as a head coach. The Steelers fall 16-14 to 14 to the Ravens. The Ravens are down to their... Probably fourth string quarterback at this third string, fourth string. I mean, they might be pulling guys off the practice squad at this point. Uh, is Justin Tucker available?
1: <laughs> Justin Tucker at quarterback. I think the league would love to see that happen. Justin Tucker at quarterback. That'd be so fun. One of the greatest kickers of all time trying, trying out quarterback. It's like Madden when you just need to put someone in and it happens to be your kicker because there's no one else. Um, that'd be fun to see. But Ravens. Look like they're going to go down to their third-string quarterback. Um, Ravens are in a really tight battle with the Bengals for first in the division. In week 18, they play each other for what's likely going to be – I expect that game to be flexed to Sunday night football. uh, I I expect that to be for the division. And who knows, depending on how the Ravens and the Bengals play the rest of the season as well, the AFC – might be for playoffs and the other you might it might be winner go home for both
0: well it might not be winner go home per se because i think both are going to qualify for the playoffs the way the afc playoff pictures look and we'll get to that um but if you look at it it could be for the division and it could also be the difference between you play as the two seed or the three seed or you're playing as the five or the six
1: yeah
0: that makes a big difference when it comes to travel when it comes to where you have to play, especially in the the AFC at that time of year. um, Things are going to get really interesting for the AFC North, depending on who wins the division. In the AFC South, it's not really going to get that interesting because the Tennessee Titans are probably going to win the division, but they had a little bit of a setback. They fell 36-22 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence looks like Trevor Lawrence of what we expected him to be. Um, He threw... He had had a really good game for the Jaguars. He threw for a total of, get this... 368 yards and three touchdowns, 30 of 42 passing. Um, he's He was the number one pick a couple years ago, and he's starting to show why he's the number one pick. The Jaguars might be making a little bit of a too late push, too late of a push for the playoffs, but at least you can look forward to something next year, Jags fans?
1: Yeah. Um, Jacksonville looks good. They look really good. Specifically, Trevor Lawrence looks really good. I think the Doug Peterson hire... Uh, just looks better and better every week, especially considering the man he replaced in Urban Meyer was an absolute uh, trash heap, dumpster fire. Um, you can you can say whatever you want, but you know the Jaguars, like you said, just what a, what a great future to look forward to. The Titans rely heavily on their defense and run game, and if teams can put up almost forty points on them. There's no way they're they're going to be able to win. So,
0: man, yeah, it doesn't help when you allow Evan Ingram to have 11 interceptions for 162 yards and two touchdowns.
1: Yeah, it's that that Titans team is not built for shootouts. And no. they, I say if they allow more than 27 points, uh, I think that team is in real trouble of losing a game. And I don't think that's very good, especially considering the offenses available in the
0: AFC. Well, if you look at it. Um, when the Titans allow, and this is just looking at the schedule, when they allow more than 22 points, guess what their record is? Are they winless? They, are, they have one win. It came against the Raiders. Wow. They are yeah. one in three.
1: Four Think games. about that. Four games. That's also impressive. Four games where you've allowed only – like more than twenty
0: two points. Four. Well and get th- and get this. Guess how many points the Titans get like the most points they've scored all season it happened twice and it happened in back to back weeks. Twenty-four points is the most they've scored all season against the Raiders and against the Colts. Weeks That's three and four.
1: Unbelievable. Think about that. That is not a good system to win. Twenty four points on offense isn't a good system to win. But it is if you have a good defense, and hopefully the Titans defense stiffens up. For Tennessee's sake, it's Siffen's
0: upcoming playoff time. Yeah, and they've they've had three consecutive losses under Mike Vrabel for the first time since 2018. They get the Chargers this week, followed by the Texans, Cowboys, and Jaguars. From the AFC South, we pick up our bags and move to the West Coast. Um, The Seattle Seahawks had an adventurous time handling the Carolina Panthers, except Sam Darnold wanted to uh, end their – you know, they just wanted to end the fun in Seattle. Cross-country trip, and the Carolina Panthers ended some survivor pools this week. 30 to 24 winners the Panthers are. And get this, Colby, if the Panthers win out, they win the NFC South. Yeah, I don't think
1: that's happening.
0: I mean, if we, want, if we want to talk about Geno Smith's replacement, uh, Russell – wait, Russell Wilson's replacement. We should talk There's about one. Russell Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I mean, the Broncos are so abysmal, we can't even talk about them without saying that Russell Wilson is out of the game or that they can't score. Yeah, wait, but this, week, this week. Wait, well, they, wait. Broncos scored more than 20 points?
1: They went on a tear at the end of the second half. Too bad. Wait, they is, that,
0: is that a typo? Did I just read the Broncos
1: scored 28 points? They did, somehow. They found some sort of offense against the Chiefs 34, 28 Kansas City Chiefs. Um, like like we're saying, we can't believe the Broncos scored more than 14 points, um, let alone twice that. And, you know, the outcome was expected. The result was expected, but the way it happened, um, not so much. No one really expected too much of a shootout here, Jim. Well,
0: well, hold on. It wasn't really that much of a shootout, if we're being honest. Kansas City jumped out to a 27 nothing lead.
1: And then the Broncos, within the last, I believe, Three five three to five minutes of the second quarter scored twenty one straight points.
0: Yeah. And then our CFL correspondent Isaac Ramey was at the game and he goes he texted me in the middle of the game, he goes, This is sick, except for the fact that Russell Wilson's out. Yeah. So Russell Wilson got a concussion. Well, the Broncos doesn't change the result. They lost, like you said, 34-28. They have not won against Kansas City since 2015. Speaking of West Coast teams, because we just really like the Mountain-Pacific time zones in the afternoon wave, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, that... Okay, let, let's start with Brock Purdy, first Mr. Irrelevant to start a game. It is the largest gap between starting quarterbacks in NFL history in terms of age gap um, over 22 years. He was playing against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are 6-7 and seven after this disappointing loss.
1: Uh, I am surprised that they scored that many points against what should be a very solid Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Um, But I I think this just speaks volumes to the 49ers defense rather than how inconsistent and I don't want to say bad, but mediocre the Buccaneers have been this season. Bad according to expectations, but definitely mediocre in terms of the league. Um, The Niners are just... Such
0: a really good team. The San Diego Chargers defeat the Miami Dolphins 23-17. It was not the Kellen Winslow Bowl of old, um, but it was the Justin Herbert show out west where the Miami Dolphins were held to 55 yards of total offense in the first half. The only score they had in the first half was a 57-yard fumble recovery by Tyreek Hill, who turned on the Jets and could have challenged Usain Bolt for fastest man in the world.
1: Such a weird, weird play, man. My biggest takeaway from this game, Tua Tagovailoa only completed 10 passes.
0: Ten. It was 10 of 28. 10 of
1: 28. Okay, so yeah, worse. Um, not a good completion percentage at all, I think. Miami, up to this point, has looked like a dark horse for the AFC. And I still think the AFC is wide open. Uh, but if the Chargers can do that and just shut down the Dolphins... Um, no, it just makes it, I think it just makes the AFC Super Bowl race that that much tighter. And kudos to the Chargers for a really, really great game. Justin Herbert, such a good quarterback. There's so many good young quarterbacks in this league. Um, I think Justin Herbert's got to be up there for one of my favorites, personally.
0: So, get this, Tua Tagovailoa was the leading completion, he was the, uh, league leader in completion percentage, 72.5% entering the last two weeks. Okay. Yeah. In the last two weeks, he is 28 of 61, which is forty-five point nine percent. Either defenses have figured out Mike McDaniel and his offense, or they have figured out something about this team that is allowed to have that that is forced the Dolphins to go to eight and five now when they started six and two. Six and three, sorry. Yeah. Not great this is a team, this is a team that has the ability to be dangerous, but they're missing a lot of players, like we've said about a few other teams. But they're also very inconsistent.
1: Man, I cannot wait for the playoffs for so many reasons. But the AFC, I thought I thought last year the AFC was wide open. I think this year it's even more wide
0: open. The the AFC in football, at least we're talking about. You talk about Tua. You talk about you know Derek Henry. You talk about all these other players in the AFC. There is no star player that stands out. Herbert, as well, that um, makes you go, okay, this team's really, really good. Bills aside, we're going we're to ignore the Bills for a second. Bills yeah. have their own issues in close games. Every team in the AFC has a weakness that everybody in the AFC knows how to exploit. Yeah, we'll see how that goes the rest of the season. Awesome. Um, and then to Monday night, and then to Monday night football. We record this during Monday night football. Kyler Murray went down with a non-contact injury that affected the Cardinals the rest of the game. It's not confirmed what the injury is, but it looks to be a very serious knee injury, which would be a bummer for one of the young and up-and-coming quarterbacks in the NFL. At the end of the night, the New England Patriots defeat the Arizona Cardinals 27 to 13. Cardinals couldn't really get anything going on offense. Patriots had a defensive touchdown, their fourth of the year, only behind the Cardinals, who have five on the season. And at the end of the season, or at the end of the night, the Patriots stay in the playoff hunt while the Cardinals' playoff hopes essentially came to an end. Our thanks to Colby Volrath for joining us on the Sport Report for Around the NFL. Buddy, a Merry Christmas. We will see you after the new year.
1: Yeah, Merry Christmas. I'll see you you there. Can't wait to talk playoffs with you.
0: Some other news and notes from the National Football League that we did not include. The New Orleans Saints were fined $550,000 for Flopgate and more 10 years after Bounty Gate. The Jacksonville Jaguars held Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry to two rushing yards in the second half after he rushed for over 100 in the first half. The Philadelphia Eagles have a 1,000-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard receiver for the first time since 2014 when Jeremy Macklin and Shady McCoy did it. This season, A.J. Brown and Miles Sanders are the two players to achieve those benchmarks. That covers us for 2022. Merry Christmas and a Very happy new year to the rest of our team. A very big thank you to everybody who makes this podcast work. We'll be back in 2023. We've got a few things up our sleeve, so stay tuned. We'll be back on January 11th with our next episode. so let it be written so let it be done thanks for tuning into the sport report today we'll be back on our next episode with the latest in sports right now we're still working on a website but if you want to follow us on social media we are at sr underscore cws on instagram and twitter you can also find our podcast on anchor spotify itunes google play You name it, we're on almost every podcast platform. This podcast is copyrighted by The Sport Report for viewers to understand sports from a news reporting basis. Any other use of this podcast, Sport Report logos, or anything associated with this podcast without the express written consent of channel sports is strictly prohibited.